We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, the hashtag golf school edition, the national championship edition. Kyle Porter is back from Karsten Creek. He's in the shed. Kyle, uh, you were there uh, when the OSU clinched it. What was it like? Yeah, the uh, the take shed is uh, is on fire again. I've got all kinds of takes. Uh, it was pretty awesome when they clinched it, Carson. We were just talking about this kind of off the air, but I've never seen Oklahoma State win a title in anything. This was their 52nd ever, obviously their 11th in golf, and it was pretty special. I, I didn't. I didn't know, I guess, what it would be like, but to see everybody kind of running from every part of Karsten to the 15th green to watch Matthew Wolf, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, clinch the championship with Mike Holder there, with Alan Bratton there, with tons of former golfers there. It was a pretty cool scene. Uh, it, it was, uh, for whatever reason, it was a lot uh, more... I don't, I don't know if enjoyable is the right word. It was just... It was just a lot cooler than I thought it would be. I know that sounds weird and crazy, but it, it was it was really special. And to be there to capture it on on video, to try and capture it with words, it was uh, it was pretty cool to be a part of. And it was such a unique scene, right? You know, you and I were there on Tuesday, and how you can just walk down the middle of the fairway right behind the golfers uh, was yeah. was totally surreal. And then you mentioned it, like the fans completely surrounding the green was unlike really anything you can see in any other sport. I mean, what other sport is the is the fans allowed on the field of play while they're playing <laughs> to surround the golfers? That was insane. I thought it was a really cool hole for that to happen. And obviously, you know, I thought it was so fitting that, that Matthew Wolf was the one to, to hammer it home, but we'll, we'll talk much more about uh, him coming up. But just, you're right, I, I don't think I've seen a national championship in person I think I was there for wrestling a few times, like before they clinched it, but not them actually lifting the trophy. So, I, right. one of one of my biggest takeaways from the week, Kyle, and I mentioned this in our Slack chat, was: Is this what it's like to be a like an Alabama football fan? <laughs> is this what it's like to be an OU football fan? Where Alan Bratton's sitting there going, "We expect to win tomorrow." Like, mm-hmm. like the sheer confidence level that the golf program has, and and rightfully so, is just different than every other sport at Oklahoma State even a, even a proud program like the basketball program uh, OSU golf is up there among the elite programs in any sport and it was just it was interesting to see how Alan Bratton carried himself uh, you mentioned the, the quote machine uh, Zach Bushu who turned into Patrick Reed over the weekend uh, <laughs> I thought that was one of the one of the more interesting things to me was you know we golf co- season comes and goes you don't follow it as close most years but obviously this year was special and you really got an up close look just how the the golf program carries themselves. Yeah, and, and t- totally. I I, t- th- I thought that was such a good point by you, and and it sort of catches you off guard in the moment because we're we're sitting there in in the press room. So they they have this press room sort of underneath Karsten in the in the basement. Really, I think is is what it was, and then they have the podium up in front of you. So you're you're sitting at your computer or or for you at your TV camera or whatever it is, and everybody's kind of up in front of you in the same room. And there were so many times where somebody at the at the podium, either Alan Bratton or Boshu or Wolf or whoever, would say something, and I would turn to the person next to me, who was, it was actually Sean Martin for most of the week, who we're going to talk to in a minute. And I was like, did I just hear that right? Because they were saying things that you're not used to hearing Oklahoma State athletes say, and it and it wasn't 
wasn't necessarily inappropriate, but it was just like, yeah, we're saving our big celebration for tomorrow. And it was um, <laughs> like when you're this good, we don't really have a reason to be nervous is one of the things that Boshu said. And, and you're just <laughs> like, wow, like what, you know, on, on uh, Wednesday night, uh, Boshu said, I, I thought that we could win every tournament we played in the spring. And you're and you're just going. That's that's crazy, dude. But they also won eight out of the ten tournaments that they played in the spring, and so it is pretty cool. I was thinking about this on the way home. Not only for Oklahoma State to be this good at a sport, uh, even as as sort of non-mainstream as college golf is, uh, but also to move it forward. Like they get the best recruits, they get the best guys. It's it's kind of fun to. It's not like. Like we're not going to be covering golf year round now, but it, it's fun to kind of immerse yourself in it from time to time, and uh, and just to see how up close how good Oklahoma State really is. Is this where I mentioned that I've been studying the eighteen year old Norwegian kid they signed <laughs> for this signing period? I've been studying his swing on YouTube. Uh, no, but you're right, Kyle. And I thought I thought you know when Boshu said that, I was like, this is Boshu, the guy they've had to put in the five spot. Yeah. Who, couldn't find a fairway. It was maybe their weakest link throughout the tournament is saying these things. And then he backs it up with an, with an eight and seven that really calls back memories of the Uline Reed match. That's one of the other three times, I guess three times total that's happened where eight and seven, but the way they talked Kyle, I thought was, as we mentioned, interesting, but I thought they also backed it up with how they played. Like they yeah. put the hammer down in that from the very beginning. And I thought it was interesting too, even when they built leads you see Hovland pulling driver. You see Wood just or uh, Matthew Wolf pulling three wood and just hammering it. They, there was no conservative nature to them at all. It's as if they knew that if, if they put the hammer down, they were going to blow them out and win all five matches. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it, it is. And, and they played. I, I went back and and looked at the numbers. It was hard to tell because I was out there and not watching on TV. I'm pretty sure they played 66 holes on on Wednesday. They only trailed for seven of those, uh, and and by by the numbers that I that I rolled through, I think they were twenty one under through sixty six holes, <laughs> which is absurd. Matthew Wolf seven under through fifteen, Boshu was seven under through uh, what was that eleven, and then Hovland Hovland was six under through fifteen. So they had three guys that were about to shoot. Uh, 64, 65 with the national championship on the line. That's a joke. That should not happen. <laughs> and the fact that they did it in the title match against Alabama, because really they hadn't played that well all week. They had played fine in the stroke play. They went stroke play by eight. It wasn't extraordinary. It felt pretty normal. And I think that's kind of how much most people thought they could or would win by. And then they struggled a little against A&M, and they played okay against Auburn, but it, the crescendo was certainly on Wednesday against Alabama. I mean, the kid that's playing Hovland goes out in uh, 34, and he's down three. He's down three <laughs> holes. He's two under, down three. And you're like, what, what are you supposed to do? I mean, Alabama, had they had no shot. And it was uh, – if you're going to win a title on your home course against the number six team in the field, that's the way you want to do it. And we talked in the weeks leading up, Kyle, just how much pressure was on them. I mean, the Golf Channel series, hosting it, the fact they were the number one team, the fact they were the number one seed after stroke play, which that team had never won it. To deliver 
just a win in the national championship would have been incredibly impressive. But just to win in that fashion was really like a, a historical marker for college golf. I mean, that, that's something you, you might not see for a long, long time. So I thought that was just, they deserve all the credit. They, they backed up everything they said and, and then some. So I thought that was just incredibly impressive. And um, uh, I was going to, who'd you follow for the championship match? Who do you think I followed? Uh, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, they were like, let's, let's rewind to Tuesday. I'm set up on 18 and I look at my phone and Oklahoma is pretty much done. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess I only have one team to cover this afternoon. And then I look and I see the tide has turned in the AM yeah. Oklahoma state yeah. match. It's like, Oh, she's only up in one of them. The rest are like even or they're down in a few. I think Ekrope might have been down at one point. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, OSU might be done right now. And both OU and OSU will be out before the semis. That would be a disaster. And I'm set up on 18. And then Hovland misses a very short putt to go to a playoff. And I'm like, oh, this is this is not good. And then Ventura comes through and misses his putt. And AM, uh, A&M, I think... Now they tied that hole and moved on to another playoff. So then Ekrode is coming through, and I'm like, if Ekrode doesn't hit a good shot here, if he hits this in the water, like, oh, she might be done. And he hits that ridiculous shot that I posted on Twitter on, on the par 518. Shot of the knock, tournament. Knocks it within, you know, 15 feet from 260, it seemed like. And uh, really, it literally won the match and, and advanced. And it's easy now that they won in dominant fashion to forget just how much they were on the ropes against A&M. They were on the ropes, and yet they still, if if they would have played all those matches all the way out, they still could have they still could have swept A and M because none of them A and M did not win. They, like like they did not A and M did not completely win a match. They they got a point. They got a point and a half because there were two matches still on the course. One was tied in extra holes, and the other A and M was one up on the 18th, and they just picked up after Ekrot won it. But but it it was crazy because it felt like things were going really south in a hurry. And Barry Trammell asked Victor Hovland this on Tuesday night, I think, because they did, the players didn't talk to the media until Tuesday night after they beat Auburn. He said, "How how nervous were you guys getting when you saw what was happening?" And it was kind of this longer question, and and it kind of built up. And Hovland just leans forward in his chair and goes, "Very, <laughs> we were we were very nervous." <laughs> and uh, it was such a it was such a genuine moment because as fans, everybody was feeling it and talking about it. And so it was it was cool to see that the players were feeling that as well. Ekro was like shaking as he came off the 18th. <laughs> uh, which for an 18 year old freshman, I mean, uh, it's totally to be expected. So it was funny. I talked to, <clears throat> I mentioned this in one of the pieces that I wrote, but I talked to Zach Robinson, the golfer, not the football player who's been on this podcast. And I said, how, how nervous are you out there really? Cause he played on the 06 title team. He played for several years at OSU and, and was really good in college. And he goes, dude, when I was a freshman, I, cause he was a freshman, I think in Oh three, when they played it at Carson and that was the first title at, or the first national championship at Carson, he goes, I had a couple of four footers on the first two holes. I couldn't even take my putter back. He's like, I had to like back off and it, it's so, 
it's so terrifying and intense being out there. And you could feel that. I think you felt it most probably during the A&M match, but throughout the week it was, uh, especially during match play, it gets really nervy out there, which is, which is fun too. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's also really scary. Yeah, for sure. And I don't cover college golf ever or pro golf. You, you cover pro tournaments. I was a little disturbed when we were following Wolf on Tuesday how much movement there was in the gallery and talking and crunching on sticks and leaves while <laughs> while Wolf is standing over the ball. Like I kept waiting for Wolf or the Auburn kid to just whiff or snap hook one due to like there, there was noise in their backswing several times. I don't know if that's common with big galleries but that can't be something that college golfers are all that used to did you did you notice that at all yeah it, it, i think part of it is because you do have people walking in the fair you have people walking all over the course and there's no <laughs> i don't think that happens i i think it's unique that it was happening because you don't usually get that many people at an event and then you also don't get that many people all over the course at an event especially in college golf so yeah it was uh the whole thing, it's a little chaotic when you're out there, and it has to feel chaotic when you're playing it. And I think that's why you saw the co- uh, Bratton and, and the assistant coach walking with the two freshmen because you don't want your freshmen just out there, you know, on their <laughs> own, just f- freaking out about what's going on. I, I think that was pretty purposeful. Yeah, for sure. You want to get to our guest? Yeah, let's get to our guest. We got Sean Martin of the PGA Tour coming up. Uh, he was covering the event for AmateurGolf.com. He's a good friend, and uh, he's pretty deep in the college game. I got a little game we're going to play with him at the end, uh, see if he can name some old Oklahoma State players. He he goes he, – <clears throat> I'll give him a year and, and tell him to name me like the U.S. Amateur semifinalists, and he can go back like 20 or 25 years. It's, it's, it's insane. It's ludicrous. Um, so anyway – it's time for the Coop Elworks Guest of the Week. Coop Elworks, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy cold Coop Elworks, and please remember to drink responsibly. Okay, we've got Sean Martin, PJTour.com, uh, freelancing for AmateurGolf.com at the NCAA Championship. Uh, Sean... Your first ever trip to to Stillwater, USA, is that correct? No, that is completely false. Uh, I was at the 2011 NCAA's. That's right. And then also also came to Stillwater uh, early in that season to do a story pre-driven when the written word meant something. I came to do a story on a kind of (laughs) behind-the-scenes look at Oklahoma State golf. Uh, Mike McGraw picked me up. We went to Texas Roadhouse. He... I went to the, the bowels of T Boone Pickens Stadium to watch the team work out early in the morning. I walked around with them uh, when they played at Carson Creek and practiced, which is crazy because basically the course was closed only to them. Morgan Hoffman was practicing shirtless. Uh, I still remember that. So, huh. yeah, uh, I have been. Also, I've, and I've played the course. I have family in Oklahoma. So, ties run deep. Well, Sean, you, you were there in 2011 when Oklahoma State got beat on their home course. Uh, you saw Patrick Reed burn the place down. And then uh, this year you saw Zach Bushu burn the place down and really the whole team. Just what was your biggest um, takeaway from, from being there in person and, and watching Oklahoma State win it all? Uh, Kyle and I have talked a lot about this, I think, in the days uh, since and during the championship. Uh, I think we're just all in on Matt Wolf. Uh, obviously, a lot of impressive performances from that team. A lot of very good players, I think four of the top 35 players in the country. But uh, my biggest takeaway, I think, is 
is just Matt Wolf, and you know I think we've seen a future star. Uh, I'm just I'm all in. Yeah, the the IPO is hit, and I think the three of us own most of the stock. It's funny too because I've heard other people make that joke as well. I just feel like that's like it is. It's like getting in on the ground floor, but. Uh, you know, obviously you never know pro golf's a hard game. There's so many guys who you think are going to make it and don't, but, uh, I, I was riveted, man. I, and I haven't been, I watched a lot of college golf and I don't remember being that just, I mean, there's so much there, the swing, the distance, he hits it. We talked to him after the championship. He's a great kid. Uh, I'm biased. He's from the same area of California as me. So that probably helps a little bit, but you know, he's, he's an Instagram star with, George Genkis and Gigi Swing Tips. Like, there's just, there's so much there that you just love to see because the game can be so cookie cutter. He just kind of breaks the mold a little bit. Yeah. And I, I don't watch much college golf. I, I watch PGA <laughs> Tour on, on TV all the time. I mean, I'm a big PGA Tour guy. I love, I love watching, but seeing it in person, like, I remember hearing his name earlier in the season and I remember reading that he was like number one in, in driving distance. Like, oh, that's cool. He's got a cool name, hits the ball the furthest. He, he seems cool. And then I went and saw him in person hit a golf ball. And I was like, I'm following this guy the whole tournament. I, this is different than everyone else. And it just, it seems as if he was ready to break out. And that's exactly what happened. I think then, I think a lot of people inside college golf knew who he was. Like you mentioned him working with George Gankis, but man, he, the way he played at Stillwater, it seems as if he's almost accelerated his path to the PGA tour. Does it not? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think even in college golf, I mean, I think people, hard, hardcore people knew him, but, you know, I mean, he hadn't won. So, I mean, this season, all the attention's on Norman Zhang, Braden Thornberry, Colin Morikawa. Those are kind of the three big names. Doug Gim, uh, Hook'em. But, um, I, so I think Matt Wolf before last week, I mean, he was going to be the freshman of the year. That was kind of a consensus. He was fourth in the country, but he'd done it with just crazy consistency. I think he had like four or five runners up, which is nuts. So it, uh, he was definitely overshadowed by just, you know, Zhang and, and Thornberry especially have done so much. Uh, but this week, because it being in Carson, um, uh, it's just, this was like his week. I just felt like the week belonged to him. Like, I know there's so much more there. There's the history of the State. There's, you know, Mike Holder, Alan Bratton, uh, adding an 11th championship, that kind of stuff. But I, to me, like, when I look back at that week, I'm maybe I'm biased or whatnot, but it's all Matthew Wolf. Yeah, I I think that was I mean, we all were talking both separately and probably all of us together about Wolf all week. You were you were breaking down his swing for me in the media room with visuals. Um <laughs> I think that was the biggest I mean, obviously that's the thing that pops the most is you're like, What is this swing? Like it's I mean his his ball speed is like one I think uh uh, no line up tweeted that it was like his three wood ball speed was 173, which is just, I mean, it's, it's insane. Like that's a, that's embarrassing. Like that's so good. Um, but his swing looks crazy. And he, he, you asked him about it in, uh, in the press conference. And he said something like, it feels like I'm just taking it straight back and straight through. And you're like, well, that's not at all what you're doing. That's not even close. <laughs> So, well, it's funny though because Jim Furyk says the same thing about his swing. He's like, "Hey, before I seen you on video, like I just thought it was normal." <laughs> it's yeah, it's just it, try to explain to people what you're explaining to me about how he's like why he swings the way he does and why it creates a lot of leverage for him. Sure. Well, I do think that the easiest way to describe it, I feel like top of the backswing 
looks like Gary Sheffield. Uh, he's got the, the left heel is way up. The club is like, you know, because Sheffield used to kind of flex it back and forth, and the club's almost like pointed like around his head, like basically like where his hands are, and the club are like it's wrapped around his head. But then he just transitions it and just flattens it out, and everything. I mean, really, the, if you took it, if you took it from when he transitions it down, everything else is perfect. But yeah, I think people need to look at if they haven't already. George Gank is on Instagram. He's got like a hundred thousand followers. He posts a lot of videos and tips, and and you know it's kind of funny. I always thought that that George, because he's this guy who just teaches people how to maximize speed. He's all about maximizing speed, hitting as far as possible. And I thought that Matt had this swing because of this method that George was teaching. Uh, it's actually the opposite. Matt came to him with that swing, and all these people would see that hit ball and like I want to hit it like that. But what he basically does is he just kind of like. Even if you're addressing the ball and you're turning your body without your arms rotating at all. And I think what it does, it, it really helps kind of steepen your shoulder turns. You're putting all this force into the ground. They talk a lot about ground forces, pushing off the ground, and that's really a way to kind of create energy. And George said they put him on a, a force plate that measures like how much he's putting to the ground. They called it basically putting 300% of his body weight into the ground uh, in his, uh, at the start of his downswing, which was like 594 pounds or something, uh, and then just exploding off of it, I guess you could say. But it's just, it's a crazy way to create speed. But, you know, guys figured out how to do it, and, and it works really well. Yeah, uh, Ryan Lavner wrote a little bit about uh, Matthew Wolf. He said a, a biochemist from Cal State Fullerton found that Wolf pressures the ground better than anyone he'd ever studied, including PGA Tour players. So I, that's what I noticed following him, uh, Sean, was just the, the sound his golf ball made was different than just about anything I'd ever heard before. Uh, just And it, I think the, the most impressive thing about Wolf, too, we've talked so much about his, his ball striking and the power he generates. He's also a really good putter. So I guess that kind of speaks to uh, why you've, you've bought into the IPO as well. That's something that kind of goes unnoticed with how he hits the golf balls, how well he putts. Definitely. He's not just like a free show. Like he's a good player. He's not just like a long hitting sideshow. Like he's a good overall player. You know, he's freshman of the year. That list is pretty impressive. Who's done that recently? Uh, guys who are on the PGA tour. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe a year left in Stillwater, but I think there's just a, a promising future ahead. And, and I think that, you know, you have some players leaving like Zhang and Thornberry and Jim who are leaving college golf and, you know, I think he was fourth in the country. He's probably the highest ranked returning player in college golf. So next year really could be, you know, we're talking player of the year, that kind of stuff next year. You can tell that biochemist that uh, the the price of stock, if he wants some, is is soaring. I'm going to guess he's a biomechanist. I feel like a biochemist <laughs> would be like looking at his like the makeup of his blood or something. A biochemist <laughs> would be. Your, well, is there any is there any chance he goes pro if he has a big summer, Sean? I mean, I, I think that's the concern for, for OSU fans. I need him to win the U.S. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he goes pro this summer just because you do have the Zhongs, the Thornberry, the Gims, uh, Nick Hardy of Illinois. You have so many of those guys turning pro who are kind of ahead of him in line as far as when it comes to sponsor exemptions. But I just don't. I don't think the time is right. Um, you know, I think he he needs to build a little bit of resume. He needs to do well in some of those events that uh, um, that really get you some attention. So stuff that gets televised. So, I mean, NCAA is a great start. Uh, I'm, I think he's in U.S. Open sectional qualifying. I wouldn't be surprised to see him qualify for the U.S. Open. You got the U.S. Am this summer. But 
I think really, I mean, ratings are good for the NCAA championship, but still he's got to, you know, you want to see him get some attention probably uh, in some of those bigger events that are on TV so that he gets more attention from potential sponsors and, and tournament directors, that kind of thing. Uh, Sean said he, he thinks he could qualify. We were, that's, uh, not what he said on Wednesday night. We were looking up odds of, yeah, Matthew, odds. Wolf, of Matthew Wolf winning the U S open this year. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were uh, a little, I think slap happy from the humidity and just, just <laughs> overexcited. Obviously Kyle has his Oklahoma state biases. So that probably, uh, you know, that probably had him going as well. Uh, I come from a line of sooner fans, but, don't not, at me. Yeah, not not good. Um, the house, yeah, I, the house I, I was staying in, and Edmund has a uh, University of Oklahoma cooler in the back. So, <laughs> or like, <laughs> I need I need Wolf to make it to the finals of the USAM so that he's forced to uh, to stay another year. Because you're not going to turn pro if you've got a master's uh, invite, right? Tiger did it. Yeah, Sorry. No. but no, you most likely are not. I was, man, Doc Redmond turned pro at the Memorial, and I was like, man, how do you turn down Shinnecock? Like, yeah, I don't and, know. But. And the Open. He was, yeah. he, was in, he was in the U.S. Open and the Open. We're talking about the uh, 2017 USAM winner, Carson. He, uh, he won it at Riviera. So he gets into the Masters, gets into the U.S. Open, gets into the Open Championship. He plays the Masters and then turns pro after the NCAAs. He played in the NCAAs, right? Uh, he did, yes. And then turns pro, so he just foregoes playing in the U.S. Open and, and British Open, which is, I don't know, seems kind of crazy. He's got bills to pay, Kyle. He's got college debt. He's a sophomore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he wants, wants to make money. College in for everybody. <laughs> Sean, what what were your thoughts on the, um, the, the orange and black faithful who were teaming around Karsten Creek all week? Man, you know. You're just teeing me up, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I want to hear it. I I was going to open with it, but I didn't want to come in too hot. Look, I love Oklahoma State's passion for college golf. You know, even Jay Sewell, the Alabama coach, said, "Look, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to hear a lot of cheers for our shots, but that's fine. Like this environment is so good for college golf, and he's right. Uh, but by the end of it, you know, it's just I'd had a, I'd had a little bit of enough Oklahoma State for about five years or so." Just the, you know, I learned all the cheers. I think I heard the fight song playing from the clubhouse. There's just orange uh, everywhere. It was like, and it's so bright. It's like my retinas are still recovering. Uh, it's just, I, I love it. You don't get that atmosphere anywhere else. I don't think I would have gone against the this year if they weren't in Stillwater because it's such a cool environment. But, uh, yeah, I think when I close my eyes, I saw uh, orange power guys jumpsuit just, <laughs> the outline isn't my eyelid. <laughs> the orange power guy. He was there. Uh, to that point, a little bit, Sean Brant Snedeker's kind of riled up the uh, the fans here in Stillwater, saying uh, it's time for a neutral site championship. He he basically said OSU had a huge advantage playing at their home course, which of course they did, but they also lost there before. What did you think about what Brant Snedeker tweeted out? So now to get back in the good graces of our audience. Uh, I'm going to be talking to at PJ Tour Spartan too if they want to come at me. I'll welcome all haters. Uh, but to be honest, like, and I think Aaron Oldhorn would tweet something really good that when Oregon won the NCAAs in 2016 at Eugene Country Club, 
uh, everyone was all for it. They loved the Oregon story. They thought it was really cool. The fans were behind them, and they're a much different golf fan. Like, Oklahoma State fans know their golf. Like, they weren't just there because of Oklahoma State. You probably had some of those, but you had people who were not only Oklahoma State fans, but also Oklahoma State golf fans, uh, whereas some other places you just have maybe people just want to yell and run on fairways. But I don't know. Like, Eugene Country Club, to me, is a lot quirkier, and so I think Oregon, like, that team, too, they weren't the dominant team that year. They were very good, but, like, I think they had a bigger advantage playing Eugene Country Club two years ago. Um, and that was a very good team. Aaron Wise, the kid who won the Byron Nelson two years ago, was on that team. He won the individual title. Uh, and, of course, they were helped by Bo Hostler's injury. Um, but 2018, like Carson Creek, that course is a lot more straightforward, I think, than Eugene Country Club. But really, I mean, Carson Creek's pretty not simple as an easy, but, like, you just got to hit good shots there. You just There's no, like, tricks to it. There's no quirkiness like you just got to play your golf and so i think i mean it is hard when the rest of the field has one uh practice round you're not going to learn a course that well in one practice round even uh with today's you know green mapping and all that technology and stuff but i wasn't bothered by it because i mean that environment is awesome it's awesome for television which let's be honest like the ncla championship they changed the format to make it better for television they they tee off super late in the day for television, like they're doing so much for television that really, if you want a good television product, Carson Creek is like the perfect place to go. Um, so I don't know. I wasn't bothered by it. Other schools do it as well. Uh, it's just, it is sort of that Duke basketball mentality of like, you know what? People don't like Duke basketball because they're really good. Uh, even when they're not tripping people. And so Oklahoma state golf, people aren't going to like Oklahoma state golf because they're the dominant uh, program as well. Yeah. Sean and I had di- different opinions. I, I didn't, I think it should be at a neutral side. I think it's just just for, I don't know, the visual of it, not literally the visual, but just the way it looks, you know, I think people sort of discount it because it came on your home course and because you were the number one team or whatever. And I just think that's kind of lousy because I think that Oklahoma State would have won no matter where it was this year. But the other thing that we disagreed on, uh, you mentioned Ryan Labner earlier, Carson. He had a take about how, uh, the top eight teams. There's a lot of there was a lot of match play talk this week, which there always is when the the NCAA's come around. But he had to take because Oklahoma State number one team coming in played number two Texas A&M in the quarterfinals. He thought that you, you should be reseeded after um, after stroke play, like like they should reseed them based on how they came into the tournament, what their ranking was, and. Sean vehemently disagreed with this, and I thought that that was fine. I thought it was an okay take, but I thought even better would be if you finish number one, you get to pick which of the eight teams you want to play in match play for the for the quarterfinals, and then the <laughs> number the number two team gets to pick who they want to play, and then number three, and so on. Um, so, have you changed your opinion at all on that, Sean, or are you still are you still all in on not reseeding? No, because if you're going to receive by rankings, like you're making the stroke play almost completely irrelevant. Now, yes, there are some teams that will not uh, that are in the top eight in the national rankings who won't make it to match play because they have a bad week. But really, you're we're doing four days of tournament competition, uh, four long days, four days of 156 players on the course for basically a predetermined bracket. So you know, yes, it matters to make the top eight, but it doesn't matter where you finish. Uh, I appreciated your point on, you know, yes, these teams are separated after four rounds by like two strokes out of 1,200. So how much different are they really? But it makes the four days of stroke play so meaningless. I'm like, if we want to do it by national ranking, then let's just have like a 
16 or 32 team bracket based on the rankings. And also the rankings take into account fall golf, which is back in September. Like Texas A&M was number two in the country. Well, they won the first three starts of, of the season. So that's a big help to them, but really pretty irrelevant by the time June rolled around. Um, and then also, you know, what if a team that's pretty low in the rankings has a great week and they win medalists in the stroke play and then you're like, hey, guess what? Uh, you won medalists. Awesome. That was really cool. Now, since you're the eighth ranked team that made it to basketball, you get to play the number one team in the country. That's a sweet reward. And then also, you just can't legislate for every possible scenario. I think, like, I don't know, the format of the tournament is stroke play and then match play, and you got to give some importance to the stroke play. So just play it out. You can't just predetermine everything. Yeah, I, I lean with Sean. I think, you know, if you're that eight team, you want to, like, those, those teams in the, the bottom of the eight want to avoid Oklahoma State, right? So there is incentive for the stroke play. So I, I agree with Sean. I think you, you would make the stroke play just totally irrelevant by, by reseeding. But I like Kyle's idea where you, you pick who you want to play. If it gives us more moments like like we all saw with Alan Bratton and the Auburn coach trying to pick their lineups and the, <laughs> the, the drama that ensued. I want Alan Bratton like pointing at the Alabama coach and saying, we want Bama. That's I'm all for that scenario too. <laughs> that was insane. Well, also, I, turns, out, turns, out, turns out that kid is Ernie L's nephew. Go figure. Uh, I had no idea. Wait. Who, who the kids, is? They threw, so what Victor Rebulay threw Bratton off because uh, the Alabama coach was trying to use the Afrikaans pronunciation. So he, Auburn. Auburn, yeah. So he said uh, the way he pronounced it, that's what threw Bratton off. He thought he had sneezed, I guess, or something. I don't know. But then I watched the kid play. His <laughs> play was exactly like Ernie. It's awesome. Um That was totally bizarre, that entire ordeal where yeah. Bratton, I guess he – he pronounced it funny, and Bratton just took that as an opportunity to say Matthew Wolf, and then he tried to run it back. And then the the golf week guy is yelling at the NCAA guy. Bratton's yelling at him. It was just bizarre. Which yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I know. That golf week guy. I used to work. I worked at golf week for like seven years, and like Lance is more than just like a writer. That's like some of the leaps of his job. He also like runs the ranking, and he's like super tied in with college golf, like behind the scenes, like. Uh, I don't know. It was very definitely a lot of college golf politics involved there. It was it got it got weird. I guess to say. I thought he. Go ahead, Sean. Apparently, no one was writing. No one was writing the pairings down either. Was the thing. So like, <laughs> that's why like they wrote Matthew Wolf in fifth, and they went back to second, and uh, it's just yeah. Yeah, I thought the golf week guy like ran the tournament because he was like, guys, we don't we don't know the pairings. <laughs> Right. He's like, he's like, Braden didn't talk in the damn microphone. We don't know the pairings. What's going on here? <laughs> like, I was, re- I was ready to watch that because I'd never seen that before. And Kyle told me we could watch. I was like, this is gonna be interesting. And then it, it went about as poorly as it possibly could go for my first viewing. So that was interesting. I, I want more of those moments. Is what I want. Yeah, it was definitely. It was incredibly uh, awkward. Uh, Sean, how many pros are on this OSU team out of the five that that played? How many guys will eventually be on the PGA are- Tour? I don't know. That's, I mean, that's a tough one. This team was really good. Uh, I think it's two or three. You just, I think two or three. I mean, for for one team to get three guys on tour at once is extremely rare. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams have had two, but to get three guys in the same five-man squad has only happened like a couple times in the past couple decades. So I think, but I do think, I don't want to say three because it's a, a very good team. I think, uh, Ryan Ladner apparently retweeted, and I appreciated Matthew Wolf retweeted, or Ryan tweeted and Matthew Wolf retweeted, and <laughs> just gave Matthew Wolf his tour card already. So uh, we can do that if we're going to hand him out. And then 
Uh, Oakland <laughs> actually is playing as Alphar next year for winning uh, college tournament this year. And I like, I mean, Bo- Boshu, Boshu's a, he's a big guy. Uh, I may not see what he does too. Kind of looks like a modern player and essentially big dude who just bombs it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I like lo- those three. I, I like Ekrod a lot too, Kyle, don't you? Yeah, I just don't know if I don't think he's as long, and I know that Hovland's not that long either. Um, I mean, relative to the PGA Tour, or I don't think he is. I, I, I'm I'm speaking as if I have all this knowledge. I've seen like four rounds of of this team play, <laughs> and not even most of the guys. I, I mean, I've seen like four rounds of Matthew Wolf, and I'm speaking with great authority uh, on all of these guys. Uh, I, I I love Hovland. I, I thought that I thought Sean said it really well when he said his his ceiling is lower than somebody like Wolf, but his floor is probably a little bit higher just because he's so. I think Sean was the one that said that. I, he's so. I, I don't remember saying this. Okay, it might have been somebody else then. Uh, he's so consistent. Like he Sounds just like does. A good he, case, but... He just he just fairways and greens you to death. Like he just and and that's why he's so tough in match play. I mean, he won. I think he won all three of his matches. He won two of them, four and three, and then the other an extra hole. So I I, I don't know. I, I really I loved his attitude. I loved his demeanor. Uh, I thought his I thought his uh, his press conferences were good. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm in on Hovland. I mean, I'm all in on Matthew Wolf, but I'm also in on Hovland. Yeah, I wasn't prepared. I thought we were really going to talk about Matthew Wolf this podcast. I didn't really do a lot of research besides that. Well, Kyle likes Hovland because he looks like Rory. That's why he likes okay. Hovland so much. Okay. <laughs> I got to be honest, by the, of, by the end of the week, we were joking that uh, Rory was in trouble, but uh, Kyle might have replaced him with Matthew Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to discuss my my Rory stuff real quick? Just, I think you both need to like just get some stuff out there while I sit back. Is this, I mean, uh, can we talk about anything besides pistols? It just, uh, just yeah. Take one minute and just. I feel like you guys both are just so tired of my Rory takes that you need to just commiserate together. <laughs> it sounded more like your wife was tired of your Rory takes. Yeah, <laughs> did you hear that, Carson? Uh, I was watching. <clears throat> so Rory led the BMW PGA last week through two rounds, and then he lost it over the last two. And I, I told her, I was like, I think Rory might stink, and she was like, you know what? <laughs> She's like, at this point, I think it's you that stinks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, at this point, Rory just needs to have Brad Faxon on his bag and just line, like, literally, like, go up behind him like Chubbs Peterson did to Happy Gilmore and, like, help him with his putting stroke throughout the entire rounds because he stinks at putting. So, I think you, you think Rory is still Tiger circa 99, but he's just not. Sean, that's my Rory, Rory. take. <laughs> Do you have anything? Yeah, Sean? Rory's not playing well this week. I don't. I don't. Shinnecock's probably firm and fast, and that's like Rory's kryptonite. So, uh, what what was the most uh, surprising thing for you all week, Sean? I, I know that you kind of. I mean, you obviously have a, a pretty deep history of college golf, but uh, didn't have a ton of knowledge going in just because you cover the tour now. What was the thing that I guess other than Wolf that kind of that kind of popped out at you that you weren't expecting? Uh, well, the one thing I loved is that on Monday, you know, I drove up from Fort Worth after covering the Colonial. So Kyle and I, priority number one for us was to watch Norman John. He's turning pro. 
Uh, he's supposed to be amazing. He's had a great season. He's a guy who people are really high on. Casey Martin called him the best physical talent he's seen since Tiger. Casey played at Stanford with Tiger. Uh, and so we wanted to see Norman definitely. And then also he's playing with this kid, Philip Knowles, from North Florida, who finished ninth. And I live a mile from uh, the University in, of North Florida. And so I wanted to watch that kid play a little bit and see some of his teammates who I know. So we were watching Norman. We were watching Philip, And, you know, there's some other guy that, you know, all of them started the day in, like, 10th place, and we're like, yeah, okay, cool, he's a lefty. He gets to their born, he's fine, whatever. And then we get back in the media center after watching, like, seven holes of him. It's like, oh, he's leading. Like, whoops. Uh, just totally, <laughs> totally whipped on that. But that was a really cool story. Fifth-year senior, uh, his freshman year, a new coach came in, and the old coach told him, like, yeah, you probably just want to get rid of him. Uh, he's not very good. But he just kept practicing. He's an Iowa guy. He's kind of like Zach Johnson, late bloomer, strong wedge game. Uh, and so he won the NCAAs on Monday. Thursday, he flew to Canada for his pro debut. And then actually yesterday, they also gave him an exemption to the, the John Deere Classic. So that guy's life, I mean, he's 150 in the country. That guy's life has changed drastically in like four days. Uh, and then I think, too, Alabama, I mean, they definitely had some good players on that team. But they've made the final four times in seven years, which is crazy. Yeah. And this was not a team that... I think people expected that from. They were definitely very good, but I mean, those past games were led by Justin Thomas, and uh, I think that's a big testament to J.C. Well, just they. I mean, they're really the most successful team of the match play era as far as success in the match play. Oklahoma State had some great teams during that time, but you know, um, Alabama's won it twice, made it to the final two other times, and so I think just seeing them, that team get there. Obviously, they got run over at the end by the the steamroller of Oklahoma State, but. I think that was really cool. Yeah, I think Norman Zhang is the new Rory for Kyle. I think that's going to be his uh, his favorite player once he turns pro. But uh, last question I have only, for you: only Sean. for a year, only for a year though, until Matthew Wolf turns pro, and then. <laughs> well, that that, that 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 leads me to my next question: Are you and Kyle? I think Kyle is already working on the foreword to his book, uh, "A Wolf's Tale: uh, How How a Freshman <laughs> Conquered." Karsten Creek, and uh, I think I think he wants you to collaborate on that. So when are you guys going to start writing the book that I can read on this weekend? Well, two, th- uh, two things real quick. So I have a 19-month-old son, and so like, he mostly identifies animals by their sound, and so he had just learned wolf, and he howls now when you say wolf. And so like three times in a row, and he loves watching golf on TV, uh, three times in a row, like the commentators would say, and wolf hitting a second shot, and he would howl at the TV, my wife said. <laughs> uh, which I want to say... Oklahoma State fans did as well. So, like I can imagine the uh, like the branding opportunities. Like he'll get on tour and guys wear wolf masks. I don't know, probably stupid, but whatever. Uh, it'll sell product. And then also speaking of like books, I probably will never do this, but uh, I always want to write a book on the place I came from, where Matthew's teacher instructs and like Matthew uh, takes lessons and actually played in high school. Like it's this five thousand yard golf course. It's par sixty seven. It's not good at all. Uh, the driving range is mad. So, like, it's this place where I worked in high school picking balls. Chris Como was in the pro shop working, uh, the guy who taught Tiger a year or so ago. Um, George Jenkins is there now, very successful teacher with, like, he's got Wolf, he's got Adam Scott, he's got Potter Harrington, uh, a couple other players on tour. Uh, Chris Zambri was this guy who, like, he was the USC coach, and national coach of the year, still is the USC coach. Uh, he would give lessons there while he was playing on the Buy.com tour to, like, earn some side cash during off weeks. And, like, so I could group lessons from him when I was a kid. Uh, who else? Was, and then there were some other guys that I'm trying to things escape me now, but just, it's this 5,000 yard golf course. that's not nice, but it's produced a lot of players. Just 
it's a very unique place. It's a nightly driveway and good ball. So all these like golf junkies come there. Uh, but it just kind of shows that like you don't need super amazing, opulent golf courses to produce good players or even to kind of grow the game. Um, you just need a place that's affordable. It's six bucks for juniors. I remember we could like run around and just, I mean, we'd play there all day. Uh, and sometimes they would just let us go out for free because we were there all the time. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just to me, it's a, a cool thing about like how good players can come from golf courses that aren't necessarily the best. Uh, if you just give them, basically give them the opportunity to play. Uh, and there are definitely programs that do that. But I think as we learn that golf isn't served best by like being super, super high end and uh, being more accessible, like I think it's just a perfect example of that. Yeah, it was cool to see Wolf kind of lit up whenever you told him where you were from and, and kind of the people that you knew because he knew, I, I presume, all of the same people. And uh, it was pretty cool to, uh, yeah, just you talking to him about that was pretty interesting right after he wins a, a national championship. I, I did want to ask you real quick. I've got – we got to do a, a, a uniform review. This is part of our uh, – <clears throat> some of our uh, sponsored content on the pod, Sean. But uh, real quick – uh, best team ever talk. There was some, a little bit of chatter about it. I thought it was kind of silly because Oklahoma state didn't even win big 12s, but, uh, just your take on, on, uh, this Oklahoma state team being, uh, people were talking about like best college golf team ever, which I think is insane because I don't even think it's necessarily the best Oklahoma state team of the match play era. What's your take on that, Sean? Yeah. And it's, it probably shouldn't be this, but I also feel like too, we rate teams based on how their guys turn out a few years later. So like, for example, like Cal had a year where I think they won 12 times. Oklahoma state, this was their 10th win. Uh, Bo shoots that he counted the stroke play that they won at NCAA as well. So he counts 11. I think Cal won 12, but didn't win NCAA. Alabama had a team that won like 10 times. And, um, but I think you have to rate it with some hindsight of just, did these guys make it or not as pros? And it's probably unfair if you're only talking about their college golf performance, but I, I don't know. I just think that's the way it is. And like some of the local state teams, I mean, Morgan Hoffman was the number one amateur in the world for a while. Uh, it's unfortunate what's happened with him and the muscular dystrophy. Um, Peter Uline won the USAM. Kevin Tway. Was, I mean, they had three first team all Americans on uh, some of those teams. So um, I think maybe a little bit of a nod to maybe the four and five guys on this team. Um, compared to some other teams, but I mean, that big three of like Tway, Hoffman, Uline was, was pretty ridiculous. And, you know, Tway has got his tour card the last few years. Uline uh, is coming back to America after Europe and, you know, Hoffman, I think, unfortunately, who knows where that'll go uh, with the physical limitations. But I mean, that was such a strong top three that that's really a tough one to beat. What, what was y'all's before we did the anything, what was y'all's moment of the week? Like what was the moment that you'll remember uh, like kind of maybe granular uh, from from the last week? Well, for me, it's going to be Austin Eckroats. I mean, the, the easy one is, is Wolf sinking the putt to win it, but the one I'm always going to remember is I, w- I was on the 18th green when Austin Eckroat hit that second shot on the par five to basically beat A&M. Uh, just for a freshman to do that in that moment when the when OSU was kind of teetering is, is kind of my moment that will stick with me. Uh, the final green was awesome. I mean, I was really all in on Matt Wolf, and I wanted to write him as a story the last day, and then he made a perfect for me by holding that clinching putt. But, <laughs> I mean, as much as I kind of make fun of Oklahoma State and all the orange and whatnot, like, that last green was was pretty awesome. Just, I mean, there were 
couple hundred people staying on a putting service. Who knows what it looks like right now? Uh, and they're all super excited. And I, again, I think too, it was more than just like their school winning an NCAA title. It was like Oklahoma State golf. I think golf specifically means something to people versus like we're just here because we're rooting for our school. Like the program is very important. I wrote in one of my stories and how many schools have a former golf coach as their athletic director. Um, so that kind of shows what Oklahoma State golf means. And so that that was really cool. I thought I, I enjoyed that. And that's the thing that you get that from having it at home. You're not going to have that if you're at a neutral site uh, unless you're playing Stillwater Country Club or something. But like being at home and that team winning, you get an awesome reaction. You get an awesome celebration for television. You get an awesome environment. And so that's why I was okay, I think, with with playing it at Carson Creek. But that last green was really cool. Do you know which uh, which individual won the national championship at Stillwater Country Club, Sean? Uh, uh, was it Lindy Miller? Ben Crenshaw. Mike Holder? Ben Crenshaw. Sure, yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> Uh, those were, those were my two that you guys took. So I'll go <clears throat> kind of off the beaten path here. And, uh, my favorite tour sauce moment of the week, which I'll just say was my favorite moment was, <laughs> I still can't get over this wolf taking three wood on, uh, what's the drivable par four? I think it's 12. Oh yeah. And it was playing three twenty that day. And he takes three wood and then he measures with his three wood two yards behind the tees just to make sure he has the exact right distance from 322 away to the hole. <laughs> it was, it was unbelievable. Like to see it in person, what he was doing, it was, we, we need to ask him about that, Carson, uh, if we ever have him on the podcast. Um, that is that was, not a rule? Is that, is that not a rule <clears throat> that you can you have to measure it out if you're going to go further back from the? Like, I, I thought it was like a rule well, that he had to you, follow. You can't go more than two club lengths. So you want to make sure that you're within two club lengths. Ah, okay. Can we go through? I got to go through some of these distances that we had for uh, Matt Wolf. Uh, yeah, get, give, he did, give me some. He, <laughs> what was the one? Uh, eight iron out of the rough downhill. So like he's like, look, it was downhill. It was probably a little bit of a fly out of the rough. He had eight iron from two twenty eight. On 15, uh, what else? A uh, three iron from 290 on nine, which also is downhill, but three iron from 290, and then a four iron from 240 on 18, which is dead flat. Uh, and the last time I checked, I don't think Stillwater's at altitude either. Last time you checked, so those are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's absurd. That's remarkable. Okay, let's get to this week's uniform review. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. Best unis of the week. Actually, let's go. Let's. You can do that if you want, but if you want to go best swag that OSU put out, what was your favorite thing that uh, that OSU wore or had or you know put out there this week? Uh, it was pretty pretty brash and pretty bold and could backfire to. Unveil on the morning of the final the bags with the ten national championships listed. Yeah, it was awesome. That was it, it's uh it was bold. It's a little it, it, but it, it fit with their mantra the whole week. They're like, yeah, we're, I mean, you heard Boshu on Tuesday night. He's like, yeah, we're gonna our big celebration will be tomorrow night. Like they did there were and there were no qualifiers. It was never like, well, if what else, or, did, what else did he say when you're as good as we are or when your lineup is as deep as ours is and you're not nervous? Yeah. 
And then, and then on Wednesday night after he goes out in 29 and uh, he's last out first in, he goes, man, I looked good today. I was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, we, we probably didn't talk enough about him. He was amazing in his press conferences. Uh, he was very honest when he played bad, and he was very honest when he played good. He didn't try to like downplay how bad he was playing, and he didn't try to be like humble about how good he was playing. He was uh, It was pretty funny. Mine is definitely the uh, the throwback swinging Pete hats that they were wearing throughout the week. I thought the the, the throwback swinging Pete was just incredible, and I think everyone wants to buy one now, and they don't sell them unfortunately. But I just thought the uh, the homages they did to the to the past teams. I'm with I'm with Sean. Like the bag with the national uh, all of the years on it, and saying, "Okay, now it's your turn. Go win one." Like this is why I'm not a golfer, but I would have been like instantly more nervous about performing well just seeing that back. But I love and the old school Pete. And then they play the first 66 holes in 21 under, which is just <laughs> just incredible. Did you know that, Sean? They were 21 under at the time the, the match is finished? That sounds about right. I, I mean, it's pretty insane. I mean, the, Ho- count, I count, Ho- Hovland, Wolf, and Boshu were all going to shoot like 65. It was, it was absurd. Uh, like mine, it. mine was um, – Probably Auburn's Under Armour stuff. Car- no, I'm just kidding. Um, mine, he loves Under Armour. Mine was Austin Eckroat's uh, belt, the OSU belt that he was wearing. It's the mm-hmm. uh, the stitched. Uh, it was it was all black, and then it just had the OSU like it it, it looked like it cost like four hundred dollars. It was really like nice and hand stitched. I loved it. I want one. Was that a Phil Mickelson's closet? <laughs> No, it was it wasn't leather. It wasn't it wasn't alligator skin. Uh, but yeah, it was. It was how how about Holder? How about Holder rocking the tie and long sleeve Phil shirt on on eighteen or on uh, fifteen with the, for the yeah. win? What, he, what was he doing? He, he looked like Sean Miller's uh, sweated through uh, Oxford after. Please, well, he's, he's tending flags with a tie and shirt and tie on. What was he doing? Zoss, awesome. like tournament like tournament director. I think he did have some sort of role that he had to. I don't think it was just a, a fashion statement. I think he was on the committee, possibly. And so I think he had to. I could be wrong. So, yeah, he, had like a, he had like a walkie-talkie like, like on and stuff. Yeah. Do, do you guys want to talk about Holder real quick? Sean, do you need to go? Uh, I can get in on it. Okay, let's, let's talk Holder real quick, and then I'm going to end the podcast with uh, a quiz for Sean. Uh, I talked to Holder for 10 minutes after everything ended and he could not have been better. He was awesome. Like just talking about uh, some of the quotes that he gave. He's the godfather of college golf and the godfather of this format. Yeah, I I know. But like the way that he, and I think my mom or my dad said this, like you can tell why he was such a good coach because the way that he talks about golf and college golf and the way that he motivates you. I mean, it, it, it was incredible. He said he, he talked to the team and gave a quote that it's the quote that, uh, if youth, uh, if youth knew and a- if age could, and he said he told the team that and talked about how 50 years ago he teed it up in the national championship and how much that meant to him and how much he hoped they appreciated it. And it was just, he was just going on and on about, I mean, I wanted to like go play twenty-seven holes after he talked to us for ten minutes. It was unbelievable. Can we, can we talk about the holder, the holder quote that Kevin Casey of Golf Week tweeted out? So apparently, Matthew Wolf's in for his recruiting visit, and he meets with Mike Holder as part of that. And Holder goes, "Matthew, do you want to know what I think about your golf swing? 
and Matthew, you know, high school senior, high school junior, doesn't know what to say. He doesn't really say anything. Just kind of stares blankly at him. And Mike Holder goes, the correct answer was, I don't care what you think about my golf swing. <laughs> oh, so good. It is so good. You had a great quote, by the way, from Alan Bratton about Wolf Swing. He said he could have recruited him uh, with his back to him or with, with his oh, eyes yeah. closed. Recruited yeah. him with his back to him, with his eyes closed, just by the sound. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's the sound of, I was think, talking about, too, yeah. Yeah, speaking of Mr. and Mrs. Porter, I think they need to be on the pod because spending a couple of days at their house, uh, they definitely had a lot of takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, my take my take on Holder was uh, it was cool to see the video that that Kyle tweeted out where Wolf sinks, sinks the winning putt, and Holder just kind of has that sly grin on his face. He's just kind of taking it all in. I thought it was just cool to see the architect of of I guess Labron Harris is the true architect, but what Mike Holder did winning eight national titles, and then finally seeing after twelve years that's a long time for OSU golf to not win a championship. To see his kind of sly grin as the fans went nuts was, was really, really cool. It is, and I wondered if they didn't win this. I mean, because really, what it would mean for just, I mean, it would be tough. That would be a tough loss if they didn't win this one. Because it was, I mean, obviously there was the Golf Channel documentary. They were the best team all year. They won seven in a row. They're playing at home. And, like, it's not good enough to just have a good season at Oklahoma State, especially for golf. Like, it, you have to win a national championship. Uh, like, the season would be a failure if they didn't win on Monday, even despite all everything else they did. Um, I mean, you look at when match play first started, Oklahoma State was dominant in 2009, 2010. They won the stroke play by a ton, but they got beaten match play. And then a couple years later, you know, Mike McGraw gets sent packing. And that, if it had been a 72-hole stroke play uh, tournament, the NCAA championship back then, they would have won by a ton and won easily. But yeah. they lose at the format that Mike Holder invented, and then Mike McGraw loses his job over it. So, for them to win, I mean, they said there wasn't pressure on them, better to better. I mean, there had to be, especially on Alan Bratton. Because, I mean, it's anything less than a win on Monday would have been a, a failure in all of their minds. Yeah, totally. Okay, uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. And then we'll come back uh, with a little quiz for Sean and wrap this thing up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Sean, I've got <clears throat> I've got three years for you here, three Oklahoma State years, and I want you to I want to see if you can give me the starting five in the national championship for these three years. Wow, your 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 college golf knowledge is is un, is peerless. It's unrivaled. So I'll start you off with an easy one: two thousand nine. Uh, 2009 would have been Ricky, Morgan, Peter, Trent Leon, and Einhaus. Kevin Toy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was, that's right. <laughs> I think Toy. I think Toy was a freshman and won a regional. Yeah, I think him and Yuan were both freshmen. Okay, uh, this one might be a little harder because I don't know that you were still covering college golf at the time, but uh, 2014. 
That team played Alabama no, also for the national championship. I know Ian Davis was on that team. Yeah. Uh, I saw because he was the one that Mullinax played. Trey Mullinax hold a like, 40-footer for Eagles to win the thing. Oh, man. Yeah, this is kind of in my – this is in the transition where I was really just getting used to the job in the PGA Tour and wasn't following it nearly as much even as I do now. Uh, 2014 – Man, I can only think of Ian Davis because I didn't last week, uh, or looked at it last week. Um, I know there's no one that's on the current team that's on it. Uh, man, Brad Gale? No, he's probably been gone by then. Uh, I don't know. I, all I got to Ian Davis. Taylor Gooch, Wyndham Clark, Jordan Nieberge, oh, and like- Zach Olson. That was, I thought you would do better at that one. Man, I got now I'm kicking myself. I forget that Wyndham Clark went to Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously finished at Oregon. He's having a great year on the web.com tour. He's probably going to be on the PJ tour next year. He's a stud. Gooch, okay. <laughs> Gooch was still, Gooch was still there when I was covering college golf. So I, I kind of thought anyone that I knew from that time was gone, but yeah. Last one, 2003, the first national championship at Carson Creek. This is a, uh, this one's pretty interesting. Uh, Anders Holtman. No. Is that right? No. Okay. No. Uh, gosh. Uh, Norin. Yep. Alex Norin. Alex Norin. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought Andrew Holtman. Uh, Alex Norin. Man, I. I don't know. This is this is this is off brand. I know. This is not Very good. Off brand. Uh, Hunter Stumped Mayhan. Him. Hunter Mayhan. Zach Robinson. Okay. Chris Clark. Not the quarterback. Pa- Chris, yeah, not the quarterback. Chris Clark and Par Nilsson. Oh, that's what I was thinking about. Andrew Coleman. I knew there was another suite on there. Uh, <laughs> I have never heard of Chris Clark. I knew there Shout was another suite on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sean, that's all I got. Uh, any parting thoughts from either one of you about uh, just the national championship and Oklahoma State's uh, week at Karsten? Uh, I'm just still shell shocked by my performance. <laughs> well, I would just, I would just like to reiterate. Uh, I would just like to reiterate how cool it was to meet Sean and, and walk with him for a little bit. And uh, anybody who's played uh, Kicking Bird Golf Club in Edmond is cool with me. So, Sean, I really appreciate uh, uh, getting to know you and meeting you. And thanks for coming on the podcast, man. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, I'll send you your citizenship papers for uh, Shreb Nation. Uh, it'll be in the mail. <laughs> Sounds good. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. We'll talk to you later, dude. Thanks, guys. See ya.